Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Cozy Show. So, wow, you know, I say it more often than not, um, but I would be remiss if I didn't say that this has been one of the probably one of the more storied um, Super Bowls um, to take place so far. Here's what I mean by that. Um, You know, there was a lot of storylines coming into this game. A lot of writing on this. You know, a lot of anticipation um, felt for this game. You know, there are quite a few narratives going into the Super Bowl. You know, you had the uh, Cinderella story, Cincinnati Bengals taking on the hometown or home team favorite in the Los Angeles Rams. Here's the weird part about all that. Um, The Rams, even though they were playing in their home stadium, they were designated as the road team. The Cincinnati Bengals were, of course, represented as the home team. So, usually you would think that the home team in this case, would normally be the team that usually plays in their home stadium. That was not the case this past Sunday. And it wasn't the case the last Super Bowl either when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the Super Bowl, or in this case held the Super Bowl, if you will, on their home stadium. It was the same situation there was, you know, similar case scenarios there as well. They were also designated as the road team, even though they're, you know, the team that plays from that stadium. They're the team that represents that stadium. But nevertheless, you know, you had many storylines, you know, involving the Super Bowl. So let's get right into it. So usually I do my introduction by saying it's been quite the week in the world of sports or what a week it's been in the world of sports or, you know, we had, you know, quite the week or quite a week or what a interesting week in the world of sports. I'm not going to do that this time. Um, but what I will do is this. I want to apologize for the last and final time. Um, I know I keep saying I'll do episodes of my podcast, you know, daily and haven't really been living up to my word, Um, but I intend on doing so from now on. Now, keep in mind, um, I have had needed to have a couple of rest periods, rest days to get myself mentally and physically right. Um, This winter has been, you know, (laughs) definitely one of the 
most unpredictable winters I've ever been through. So that's part of the reason for my extended um, absences and hiatuses. But for the most part, I'm trying to stay true to my word and do daily episodes uh, weekly. So there we go. But anyway, um, so yeah, I'd normally start off by saying it's been quite the week in the world of sports or it's been an interesting week in the world of sports or we had quite the week in the world of sports. Well, I'm not going to do that this time. What I will say is this. I will say that we had um, a nice um, Super Bowl over the weekend, but we also had some good sports games take place this past week. I will say that. But let's address, excuse me, Let's address the elephant in the room, shall we? Now the Super Bowl. Let's get back to that. Um, so you had a couple of narratives here. Um, Cinderella story. Will they take home the Super Bowl trophy? You know, will the underdog from the underground, <laughs> if you will, you know, will they emerge victorious? Will the... Uh, Will David slay Goliath? You know. <laughs> will Jack, you know, will a Jack and the Beanstalk storyline take place? That yeah, could take place as well. Um, you could have the irresistible force versus the immovable object storyline. Right? I mean, yeah. You could have David versus Goliath, Jack and the Beanstalk. Um... You could have freaking, you know, the irresistible force versus the immovable object. So many storylines in play here. Um, so there's that. But will any of those storylines take place? Or will the Los Angeles Rams, on the other hand, who are the favorite, and by favorite I mean heavy favorite, to win the Super Bowl trophy on their home stadium, win and have themselves in L.A. style victory. Will they have a scripted Hollywood ending? Will they have, you know, the big send-off, the curtain call, if you will? Will they have, you know, the ending and only La La Land that you could have? Well, quite frankly, all those questions got answered this past Sunday. So let me get right into it. So, the Cincinnati Bengals um, took the field right after the designated road team, which is Strange for me to say, but sounds strange to say too. But yeah, you had the designated road team, the Los Angeles Rams, being introduced first. Um, then, of course, after a brief introduction, the Cincinnati Bengals also got introduced. Um, and after that, Dwayne The Rock Johnson 
appeared um, virtually out of nowhere. <laughs> and, of course, did his signature eyebrow pose and said, Finally, The Rock has come back to Los Angeles. And, of course, you know, he did his introduction for both teams, the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. But he did a more, wouldn't say, you know, as far as favoritism goes or anything like that, but I would say as far as a support standpoint, he definitely had a more um, emphasized, a more epic, and a more, um, you know, hyped up, if you will, introduction for the Cincinnati Bengals. He said, basically, <laughs> in the red corner, you have the NFC champion, the home team that's, well, in this case, the road team that's basically playing a home game on their home stadium, if that makes sense. Yeah, you basically have the road team basically playing a home game at their home stadium because they're the team that represents that stadium. But you also have the... um, New Darlings, if you will, in uh, the AFC champions, the team that nobody thought would be there in the Cincinnati Bengals. So he went something to the effect of introducing, and he said it almost like a, a professional wrestling ring announcer. He said, introducing, he didn't say it exactly like this, but to the effect of this manner, he said, basically... Um, in his own way, um, he didn't say it exactly like this, but he said something to the effect of, introducing in the blue corner, or you can say the red corner, whichever, either or, vice versa, whatever. Um, but he went, introducing in the blue corner, (laughs) the NFC champions, your Los Angeles Rams. And, of course, he introduced the Cincinnati Bengals with much more enthusiasm, much more hype, um, much more, you know, emphasis, if you will. And then he did his introduction for the Cincinnati Bengals. He then said, now introducing in the red corner, the AFC champions, the Cinderella story, the the new darlings, if you will, the underdog story, the team that will do whatever it takes, yeah, something to that effect, the team that will do whatever it takes to emerge from SoFi Stadium and win the Super Bowl championship for Super Bowl 56, something like that. I think his exact words were, the team that will take home the 
Lombardi Trophy here at Super Bowl 56, the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, that may have been a little far-fetched at the time, you know, just because of you don't want to jinx, you know, any team or anything like that, if you will. You don't want to, you know, potentially mess anything up due to superstition or what have you. You don't want to potentially bring bad luck or, in this case, what Nick Saban would call rat poison to uh, any team. Here's what I mean by rat poison. When I say rat poison, I'm not saying it in the literal sense of the word. I'm saying rat poison as a metaphor here for bad luck. You know, I'm saying rat poison as a term um, as far as, you know, you know, hype, basically. So, like I said, I'm basically using the term rat poison as a metaphor for, you know, jinxing your opponent, a metaphor for hyping or overhyping a team. Basically, what I'm saying is, when I say the word rat poison, like I said, I'm not saying it in the literal sense of the word. I'm saying it, you know, as a metaphor for bad luck or a metaphor for overhyping any team that you're describing or you're, you know, you're giving a bad omen or, you know, too much um, anticipation, if you will, for an upcoming matchup. So that's what I mean by rat poison, if that makes sense. So you have all that, but the most important part of all this stuff is one team, only one team can emerge victorious in the Super Bowl. And only one team can hoist that Lombardi trophy at the end of the game. Only one team will be recognized and immortalized in the history of the NFL. And that team was, of course, the so-called road... Uh, yeah. The team that emerged victorious was the so-called road team. Their Los Angeles Rams. Now, you would think that this game would be dominated by the Rams... On both sides of the ball. Like, you know, you would think that the Rams would dominate the line of scrimmage. You would think the, the Rams would dominate and win in the trenches. Um, but that didn't happen in this game. Um, you know, you would think that this would be clockwork or cakewalk. Um, but it wasn't for the Rams. Um, if anything, I feel like the complete opposite kind of happened. Um, everything kind of happened to the contrary. Um, so conversely, um, you, you could say that um, everything happened to the opposite effect here. Because, um, you know... 
the Los Angeles Rams, while they did basically win the first half, they were only leading at halftime by three points. They were leading 13-10 to 10 going into intermission, um, which isn't a whole lot. And that's basically nothing if you think about it. You're, you're better off, um, you know, rounding it up to tying at that point. I mean, because it doesn't make that much of a difference. But nevertheless, um, they had a three-point advantage going into halftime. The Los Angeles Rams, that is. So, you had that. So, that was basically a, excuse me, that was basically a moral victory for the Cincinnati Bengals, knowing that they only are down three points at the half. And that they get the they get the ball because they received the ball on the second half kickoff because they deferred to the second half um you know on the uh opening you know coin flip slash kickoff so you know you would think that you know that they were even though they were excuse me. You would think that even though the Cincinnati Bengals were down three points, um, that they would find a way to respond and, you know, find a way to come back in this game. That they would find a way to um, answer back, if you will. And they did. The Rams won the first half, if you will. But for the most part after that, the Cincinnati Bengals basically held the fort and held down, um, you know, the game. They basically took over the game. Um, they basically took charge of the game. They basically um, dictated the pace of the game. And that was the theme all the way up until late in the fourth quarter um, because the Rams at one point when they had to have it they marched down the field and had a long drive all the way up until um, the red zone then they scored a touchdown late in the fourth quarter with about roughly two minutes or so left and so you would think that that's plenty of time for Joe Burrow in this Joe Burrow-led Cincinnati, you know, offense to march down the field and potentially get a field goal or even potentially win it, right? But um, the Cincinnati Bengals might have gotten a little bit too tricky. They might have you know, overthought it. They may have, you know what I mean? They may have, uh, they may have, um, over prepared, maybe, if, if that's possible. Um, but in any event, and I'll get to the point here in a second, but they, 
they probably overthought it. Um, they probably um, maybe got a little too tricky here. They probably um, put themselves in a little bit too much pressure um, earlier on um, as far as uh, the two minute, the final two minutes go. Um, as far as the two minute drill is concerned, or in this case, the, uh, you know, the final two minutes of the game. So you could say, however you, however you want, um, that they got too tricky, that they overthought it, that they were, um, you know, just a little out of their element maybe, but maybe that has something to do with the last two minutes of the game, the two-minute drill, or the last, you know, two minutes to determine a champion. Maybe the pressure for Gerald got too big for him. Maybe, you know, the moment got too big for him. Maybe the nerves got to him. Maybe. I'm not saying it did. I'm just saying maybe. That is a possibility. But it all came down to one play. And I think, as far as I know, the Cincinnati Bengals had about 40-ish seconds or so on the clock. It came down to a fourth down play around midfield, and Joe Burrow was basically going to take a sack, um, but threw the ball out at the last minute, and Darnier made a completion to one of his receivers slash tight ends slash whatever, um, but the guy didn't catch it. Um, the guy didn't look to catch it. He didn't, um, you know, he didn't feel the rhythm, perhaps, to catch the ball. Um, maybe he didn't think the ball was coming to him. I don't know what the case may be. But it had to be one of those factors. He didn't, you know, think to catch the ball. Maybe he didn't think the ball was coming to him. Maybe he thought, um, you know, he wasn't going to get a grip on the ball. I don't know. What I do know is this. The, at the end of the day, the Cincinnati Bengals had to have this fourth down play. And they did not convert. And it's because of that that the so-called road team, their Los Angeles Rams, merged victorious. Final score being 23-20. to 20. And for Cincinnati Bengals fans, this is a heartbreak unlike no other. For myself included. Because I, I am a big-time Cincinnati Bengals fan. And I feel for them. That hits, that hits hard. It really does. Um, but I'm not going to throw a pity party. You know, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to want to have people feel sorry for me. I don't want people to feel, you know, any sort of way in a negative way towards me. So basically what I'm saying is I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I don't want people to throw a pity party for me. I don't want people to, you know, empathize with any sadness that I may or may not be feeling, you know, empathize or sympathize for that matter. Sympathize or empathize, however you want to put it. Um, But, you know, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me, throw a pity party for me or, you know, try to console me. Um, due to any of this post-Super Bowl sadness. Um, But it's definitely being felt um, throughout all Bengals fans at the moment. And it's still fresh, you know, in our minds. Because it happened only yesterday. So, but like I said, uh, you know, I'm not trying to, you know have you guys feel some type of way towards me or, you know, feel like you need to empathize or sympathize with me because, you know, I feel sad that my team didn't win. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is us Bengals fans, excuse me, us Bengals fans, you know, or in this case, Bengals fans and myself being a Bengals fan, we're still... I guess you could call healing from that Super Bowl loss. But you got to look at it on the bright side. The Cincinnati Bengals made it, you know, this far, and they darn near won the whole thing. Um, So for that fact alone, they should be proud. Um, And no one expected them to even be here. No one expected the Cincinnati Bengals to be on this stage at this time against that team on the other side, the heavy-favored so-called road team, the Los Angeles Rams, who just so happened to play on their home stadium at the Super Bowl. I mean, you got to give Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals a ton of credit. You got to give them credit because they fought tooth and nail because, you know, if they were going to have any chance in this game, they had to fight tooth and nail. They had to fight to the death. They had to give it everything that they had and potentially more to even have a chance in this game. And they darn near pulled it off. They darn near pulled it off. Now, sure, the Cincinnati Bengals may have came up short on that night. But I truly do believe that if Joe Burrow can receive some more protection on the offensive line and, you know, have this team you know, as well coached as they were, one of the fewest penalty, yeah. If, if Joe Burrow can have, you know, 
Um, like I said, if Joe Burrow can have a better offensive line um, going forward and, you know, he helps lead, you know, a well-coached team like he had this season, you know. What I'm trying to say is this. If Joe Burrow can, you know, get more protection on the offensive line, um, he'll have better chances going forward. If he uh, leads another Cincinnati Bengals team that was one of the fewest penalized teams in the NFL this season, if he can, you know, create some more of that postseason magic, you know, if he can create some more of that postseason magic, um, I don't see why Joe Pro and the Cincinnati Bengals couldn't be back to the Super Bowl. Now, you got to keep in mind the window for opportunity when it comes to the postseason in the NFL for any given team is short. So, am I guaranteeing that the Cincinnati Bengals will be back? To the Super Bowl? No, I'm not guaranteeing that. But I, what I am saying is, if Joe Burrow can get more protection, yes, like I said, if Joe Burrow can get more, excuse me, if Joe Burrow can get more protection on the offensive line, if he can, you know, lead this Cincinnati Bengals team like he has been. Um, and if he can, you know, gather the troops and lead this team, which was one of the fewest, excuse me, if he can lead this team that was, if he can lead a Cincinnati Bengals team that was one of the fewest penalized teams in the league this season, and, you know, if he can create some more of that postseason magic that we all saw over the course of this postseason. I don't see why Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals couldn't make it back to the Super Bowl. Now, like I said, that's not guaranteed. And by all means, that's, you know, not exactly what you would call... um. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily what you'd call a given, you know. Like I said, it's not guaranteed. It's uh, it's one of those things that, you know, with, uh, with the way that this Bengals team is constructed, of course it's not guaranteed and it's not a given and it's not automatic. But if the Cincinnati Bengals can recreate that same winning formula, um, that same, um, you know, postseason success, that same um, blueprint, if you will, I don't see why not that the Cincinnati Bengals wouldn't make it back to the biggest game of them all, the Super Bowl. But time will tell. You know, the Cincinnati Bengals have, you know, the fourth most projected cap space in the league. Um, 
this coming season. Um, with $48, uh, excuse me, not $48, but let's try that again. Like I said, the Cincinnati Bengals had the, not had, the Cincinnati Bengals have the fourth projected most cap space or the most projected cap space in NFL. So again, the Cincinnati Bengals have the fourth most projected cap space or projected the fourth most cap space in the NFL. So say it however you want. But the fact of the matter is, the Cincinnati Bengals, as I said earlier, have the fourth most projected cap space in the NFL, or projected the most, fourth most, however you want to say it, projected the fourth most cap space, or the fourth projected most cap space in the NFL, however you want to say it. They have 48.6% million dollars in cap space for this upcoming season so you would think that they would spend all of that money on offensive linemen to protect Joe Burrow but they could potentially go a different route knowing that the Cincinnati Bengals owner has been I would say somewhat subpar in making big-time front office decisions. So, if I were, you know, a decision-maker in the Cincinnati Bengals, um, you know, management team, if you will, then I would personally see, or would like to see, put it this way, I would like to have all of the, you know, upcoming, you know, Bengals acquisitions, if you will, be all offensive linemen, you know, from top to bottom. I would have them all be, you know, from the offensive line to protect Joe Burrow, the franchise quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean you can't spend on maybe a, another running back or maybe a couple defensive players or, you know, some guys on, you know, the tight end or wide receivers um, side of things. But you gotta, you got to do what makes sense. And what makes sense is for Joe Burrow to get more protection um you know, more time to throw, um, more time to move in the pocket. So if you're smart, um, you would spend just about all the money you've got on offensive linemen and, uh, you know, invest in an offensive line. But I would be remiss if I didn't say congratulations to my Cincinnati Bengals on a great season. And I hate to say it, but I also have to give kudos to the, you know, the other team, if you will. I also got to give credit 
to the team on the other side, I also give, I got to give a, uh, you know, I guess a shout out, I guess if you could call it that, to, you know, the opposing team. Because they won at the end of the day. They're champions. They won in their home stadium, even though they were the designated road team. Um, but they had, you know, 50% Rams and Bengals fans, or Bengals and Rams fans, however you want to put it. But they won in their home stadium. And they represent that stadium because they play in that stadium. Though they're the road team, they represent that stadium and they play in that stadium. They're the home team, you know, just about every other time, but they're the road team this time. But however you want to put it, though they were the designated road team, um, they're the team that represents that stadium, that play from that stadium, and that's, you know, the home team in general for that stadium. So congratulations to, and congratulations are actually in order. <sighs> I hate to say it, but as a big-time Bengals fan, and trust me from... <laughs> trust me from where I'm at right now in, you know, the state of us Bengals fans, it's very hard to say this. But congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for winning the Super Bowl and winning the Lombardi Trophy and, you know, winning the big one on their home stadium on their home floor for their home fans and with their home fans. Congratulations. So now, I think uh, that's about all the juice I could squeeze, if you will, <laughs> as far as that topic is concerned, out of the picture. So now that I've pretty much, you know, squeezed all the juice, if you will, out of that topic. Um, let's move to something else, shall we? Let's talk about the NBA. Let's do that now. So, all right. Moving on. So, the NBA has had, um, you know, quite a few games take place over the past few days that, you know, I'd like to bring to people's attention. And that would be this right now. Excuse me. Let me do that right now. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, last night the Atlanta Hawks went to the TD Garden in Boston to take on the Boston Celtics. And the Boston Celtics, the home team came out and uh, defended their home court and took home the victory. Now, the thing is with that, um, this Boston Celtics team is only going to go as far 
as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can take them. So again, let me repeat my words. Let me repeat myself. This Boston Celtics team is only going to go as far as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can take them. Um, here's what I mean by that. You know, you have your, as far as the Boston Celtics are concerned, you have your two best players in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, um, with the pick-and-roll game, pick-and-roll action. The two can play, you know, off the dribble or off the ball. They can play, you know, iso basketball or isolation basketball. They can play, you know, pick-and-roll. They can basically do it all. But the thing about that is you can't, you know, you can't win as far as, you know, as far as, like, postseason concerns go if you just have a two-man team. If you have just a two-man team, then... You don't have much of an identity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got a couple shiny toys, if you will, shiny new toys. But shiny new toys doesn't necessarily make up a team. You know, so, as I said, this Boston Celtics team will only go as far as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can take them. So... Um, if it isn't, you know, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, who's your third best player? You know, I mean, of course you have your two best players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but who's the third best player, right? I mean, it's kind of hard to say at this point, um, because the Boston Celtics have been kind of a revolving door when it comes to acquiring talent and keeping talent and developing talent. Um, so you never really know with them. And trust me, I, I despise the Boston Celtics with passion. But um, it's not even about that. Whether you like the Boston Celtics or not, that's irrelevant. I mean, I personally don't, obviously, but that's besides the point. The point is that this Boston Celtics team, and the Boston Celtics in general, are known for, you know, making, at least on occasion, runs in the postseason. You know, making noise in the playoffs. But, quite frankly, um... I don't know if they are going to be considered a playoff team or, you know, a postseason squad. Here's why. Because, like I said earlier, um, a two-man team, if you will, doesn't necessarily make for a winning formula. A two-man team doesn't necessarily make you successful. A two-man team, a dynamic duo, 
doesn't necessarily guarantee um, victories in the postseason. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how things play out because they didn't do too much at the trade deadline. And unless they can, you know, unless some magic happens, unless they can pull off a miracle, unless they can get some, you know, some kind of fairy tale um, intervention go on, then I don't see this team making much of a run in the playoffs this season. Um, I don't see them making much noise in the postseason. Um, and, and for those specific reasons. But also the fact that this team has kind of, you know, been good enough to win, but not great enough to, um, you know, not great enough to be known as, you know, one of the top teams in the Eastern standings as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake up from here. I personally believe that the Boston Celtics could make it to the postseason, but it's not for me to say that they will. Um, and even if they do make it, um, that's not, you know, guaranteeing that they'll get out of the first round. And that's not even guaranteeing that they won't get swept. Um, that's not even me guaranteeing that they'll have a good showing in the postseason. That they'll have a good outing in the playoffs. You know, and it doesn't even guarantee that they'll be given a favorable matchup in the playoffs. But we'll see what happens from here. Um, like I said, I despise the Boston Celtics with passion. But, you know, I got to take my likes and dislikes out of it because I'm a, you know, broadcaster, podcaster. You know, I'm a, a writer in my own right, so a journalist, if you will. And so I like to stay somewhat objective here, but, you know, sometimes favoritism does show itself and rear its ugly head every now and then, but it is what it is. We'll see what happens. But anyway, the Celtics came out with the win on their home floor and beat the Atlanta Hawks, who they might see in the postseason. We'll, we'll see. To be continued. Stay tuned. Okay, moving on. And so, the Lakers took on the Warriors um, at the Chase Center in San Francisco. And it was a very close game. Um heading towards the end. It was a very close game, um, especially late in the fourth quarter. It was a very tight 
contest towards the end of the game. And I think it all came down to who was going to make the plays that they needed to make to win the game. So here's what I mean by that. It all came down to who was going to be able to make a play. What team was going to be able to make a play? And what team was going to be able to play enough defense to hold the other team off? That answer was the Golden State Warriors. My Golden State Warriors. See? I'm a sports fan and I'm a sports fan. Excuse me. I'm a sports fan and I'm a sports fan of several different teams. So definitely uh, keep your ears and eyes open because, you know, you may learn more about that kind of stuff about me as these podcast episodes go on. So there you go. Anyway, the Warriors came out with a victory at the Chase Center in their home court against the struggling Los Angeles Lakers who at this point um if they were to enter you know if they were to enter put it this way if the season were end today yeah put it this way if the season were to end today right you got to consider, like I said, put it this way. If the season were to end today, by all means, the Lakers would certainly, in their mind, consider this, you know, the season of failure. Um, and how could you not? Um, you know, a lot of, you know, dysfunctional... Um, dynamics going on and a lot of, you know, outside noise of Russell Westbrook being traded and Rajon Rondo not fitting into the system and, you know, LeBron looking, you know, older now and the Lakers being looked at as a old team you know, not even a veteran team, but an old team. In a team that's, you know, struggling. You know, they don't have many options to to go forward with. I mean, just the beginning of the season, a lot of people had the Lakers as the, as the favorite or one of the favorites to win the NBA championship. Now, you got to keep in mind, they had a lot of playmakers on their roster at one point in time. Rajon Rondo, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you know, uh, DeAndre Jordan, you, you know, uh, Dwight Howard, you know, you know, you bring in players like that, right? You would think that they would make this work some way, somehow, with this projected lineup. 
the problem with that all, though, is they didn't take the preseason seriously. And because of that, you know, and I get it, it's preseason, like, it doesn't count towards the regular season or the postseason. So, you know, a lot of people kind of write the preseason off and kind of scoff at it and kind of take it as a joke. But, you know, not realizing that if people, excuse me, people do that, not realizing that if you don't take the preseason seriously, then more likely than not, more than likely your regular season habits um, may, you know, follow that. So here's what I mean by that. If you put it this way, if you're a team that doesn't take the preseason, you know, seriously, if you don't, you know, take the preseason, you know, as, you know, just of much of importance as the regular season, it goes to show that those habits will follow you into the regular season and possibly into the postseason as well. So again, if you have bad habits in the preseason and don't correct them, if you don't have, you know, a good, well-coached team in the preseason and you don't take it seriously, more than likely those habits will follow you into the regular season and potentially the playoffs. And I think ultimately if this Lakers um, team fails this season, or in this case if they have a failed season, or if the season doesn't work out as well as they thought, then I think it all goes back to the preseason um, because they didn't take the preseason seriously. They didn't take into consideration the importance of the preseason, and they didn't take in the factor that, you know, the preseason, while it doesn't count towards the regular season or postseason, it, you know... It gets you ready for the for the regular season and for the postseason. And I feel like the Los Angeles Lakers kind of took that for granted. And I'm not even saying that because I'm a Warriors fan. And I'm trying not to sound biased here. But, you know, me being a Warriors fan, I definitely do have somewhat of, you know, you know, I try to stay objective here, like I say, like I said earlier, but sometimes I, you know, let favoritism show itself and rear its ugly head, so I try not to, but sometimes it happens. But anyway, I feel like the Los Angeles Lakers, um, you know what I mean, just didn't um, give themselves enough time to create that chemistry that continuity, that cohesion that you need um, to make a good team. Now, don't get me wrong, 
you got Rajon Rondo, or at least you had him at that time. Like I said, you, at one time, the Lakers were considered to be a super team. Because like I said, they had Rajon Rondo, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard. That is the makeup of a super team right there. On paper, they looked good enough to beat the Golden State Warriors, my Golden State Warriors, and possibly win the West. Now, is that saying they would win a championship? That I don't know about. But what I do know is at least they would have a shot in getting there. So, right now, I mean, they may not even have that. So, here's what it is. We'll see. All right, so I only got a little bit of a show left for you. So, I'm going to try to end this pond. Uh, excuse me. I'm going to try to end this podcast episode on a high note. Not like I was going to end on a low note, but, you know, you always want to put your best foot forward. Put it that way. Okay, so a couple things um, I wanted to talk about and or address before I close the books on this episode of the Cozy Show podcast. And uh, here's those few things. Okay, so as far as the NFL is concerned, there's been a little bit of talk of you know, will the Los Angeles Rams, um, you know, lose Aaron Donald due to retirement and potentially, you know, lose coach Sean McVay to retirement? Um, and when I mean coach, I mean head coach Sean McVay. So again, there's a lot of questions, you know, we're not. I, sh- I shouldn't say a lot of questions, but there's some questions. Uh, you know, after the Super Bowl, you know, such as will Sean McVay retire, and will Aaron Donald retire? Well, so far, um, that answer is no. But that doesn't mean that that decision can't change. Um, at some point during the off season, it doesn't mean that that decision can't change in the future. It doesn't mean that that still can't happen. Doesn't mean that decision. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean that that decision's off the table. So it's going to be interesting to see um, if uh, this. Los Angeles Rams team can, you know, hold on to their core and bring back all the guys from, you know, this championship season, you know, from Jalen Ramsey to Aaron Donald to Vaughn Miller, but you also got guys like Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. Those guys need paid as well. You know, uh, Cooper Cup. Well, I already probably mentioned it, but let me, let me, uh, you know, let me just say this. It's been the greatest season of all time by far. Thank you all and take care.